is the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. Good afternoon. Dan Fitzgerald is my name and this is the Friday edition of our Country Hour program. Thanks a lot for joining me. Well, the tropical low that was Cyclone Tiffany, it is currently hanging around over top of the Kimberley and it's dropped some lovely rain on the Ord, which has some farmers there very relieved. To come from this relentless build-up and heat to this really beautiful, gentle place we are now, it is just so gorgeous. I've got goosebumps just talking about it and it's so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. It's incredible. Yeah, it's pretty good, eh? Uh, we'll also catch up with a hay farmer in Catherine. He's pretty pleased with some of the rain he's got over this week. And we'll also catch up with a third-year ringer. And how's this? He's originally all the way from Manchester. And he's been trying out his hand at a bit of saddle bronc riding. Oh, I can barely remember my first ride. It just went by so fast. I just remember... F- falling to the ground, getting up and going, oh, I want to do that again. It was so good, the adrenaline rush. Yeah, I can't really, you've got to do it. I can't really explain it. Yeah, and we will be heading to the Weather Bureau at a little bit earlier today at around 12.55. As analogue listeners, you will be heading to the cricket at 1pm. So if you've got any questions about the weather, please text them in on 0487 1057. But first up today, the Tees Meatworks at Narracourt in South Australia's southeast has temporarily closed its doors after more than 100 employees tested positive to COVID. Now, this is an important abattoir for Central Australian pastoralists, with plenty of cattle from that region ending up there. Uh, early this week, Tees had allowed a small group of workers at the plant who had tested positive for COVID but were asymptomatic to continue working in an isolated area of the business, and that caused a, a bit of concern among employees there. Uh, Megan Hughes has this report. 140 employees at Tees Australia Narracourt have now tested positive to COVID-19. On Sunday, the abattoir's general manager wrote to staff requiring them to turn up to work on Monday, even if they had tested positive to COVID-19, unless they were feeling unwell. A meat worker who tested positive spoke to the ABC on the condition of anonymity. We've disguised their voice to protect their identity. COVID-19 is a potentially lethal disease. Allowing that to spread to other people is absolutely insane. The worker says staff are angry about the decision. The other staff that I've spoken to, they're, they're bloody angry about it. you got people that are crook about it and they're just like, well, I don't want to go in and catch it again. There's a lot of workers that have family, you know, young kids and all that. Nobody feels as if they, they want to be the one going in, potentially getting someone sick just because work told them to. Earlier in the week, SA Health said that in order to preserve food security, they allowed some staff who were COVID-19 positive, but without symptoms, to work in an isolated area. They were also working closely with T's management to ensure the business could continue to operate safely. Speaking on local radio today, the state's health minister, Stephen Wade, says the workers who've tested positive are required to isolate when they're not at the abattoir. Both Adelaide-based and regional-based uh, SA Health staff have been, have been working with the 
uh, within the, the narrow court meat works. The, to ensure food security, uh, SA Health has allowed a small group of critical staff who have tested positive and are asymptomatic to continue working in an isolated area away from others. I think it's important to be clear, though, that these workers, when they're not at work, must remain at home and isolate. SA Health reviews uh, each worksite situation on a case-by-case basis, and particularly where there's essential infrastructure or essential services such as uh, food manufacturing and distribution, we'll work hard with, with the, the operators to, to, to keep the facilities operating in a way, again, which is safe not only for the, for the staff but also for the community. The Meatworks has closed its doors temporarily today and plans to reopen them on Monday. The ABC has contacted Tees Management for comment but has been directed to a statement made earlier in the week. In that statement, a spokesperson says no worker is being forced to work and they're instructing workers to not work if they're feeling unwell. They said they've put appropriate controls in place to ensure SA Health's conditions are met and they'll continue to work closely with them and all appropriate authorities as the situation evolves. But Tees workers say there's been little communication from the company and and they're frustrated. They have a duty to us to keep us safe. I feel that they've failed better for us and everyone else in the company. They could have done things differently and uh, it would have resulted in a lot less cases here in Narracourt. That is an anonymous tease worker from its Narracourt-based uh, facility, ending that report there from Megan Hughes. And the ABC has requested a comment from SA Health, uh, but we are yet to receive a response. So, yeah, that Narracourt Meatworks there, um, an important abattoir for Central Australian pastoralists. Uh, It is closed, the company says, temporarily, with expecting the doors to reopen on Monday. Uh, On Monday's program, we aim to give you the latest and uh, find out whether it is indeed reopened at that time. Hi everyone, I'm Dave Burns. I manage the Catherine Farm for Neutrano Produce Group. I'm here with my faithful companion, Marco the Labrador, and welcome to the Country Hour. Well, ex-tropical cyclone Tiffany, it has continued to head in a bit of a westerly direction. It's now over top of the Kimberley. It's dropped some pretty decent rainfall sort of in the western parts of the Territory in the last 24 hours. Water has copped 107 millimetres. Bulo River, 56. 72 millimetres at Keep River and Delamere Station, 32. Uh, farmers around Catherine, they have for the most part been pretty thankful for this rain that was being produced by Chif- Tiffany. Uh, Chris Duffy, he is the manager at Phoenix Farm growing hay just outside of Catherine. And, yeah, he was pretty pleased with the rainfall he's been he's received. Well, it's actually the rain's been, been great. Uh, we, we got that early rain there over Christmas, and then um, then from the back of that we, we started planting, and then uh, we finished this week, which which was good, and it was things were getting really dry by then, but, yeah, we've, we've copped that rain on it, and it's looking beautiful now. It's really good. And so what does that mean? So you, you, for people who don't really understand that farming process, that you, you packed up all pretty much by Monday, was it? And then by Tuesday that rain's come in. Yeah, sort of, yeah. I think it was yeah, Tuesday lunchtime or morning we'd, we'd finished. Yeah, so it, it, yeah, it was, you could say you planned it well, but it was just it was a great way it happened. But there was, there was some crops sown earlier, not by us, but others that were really looking for a drink by, by that stage. So it, it's really come at a good time. So, and what does it mean now that you've gotten that, you mentioned they've gotten a drink, and what will that do for your hay? 
but it'll kick it along now, it'll be out of the ground on its way out and um, all we can do now is hope that we get a more, couple more weeks, we get a bit more, or each week we get a you know, 20 mil, 15, whatever comes we'll take. But it, it's been yeah, a real godsend at the moment. How's the rainfalls been overall? Yeah, pretty good. We've averaged, over this lot we've got 150 mil so far. It, it varies from front of the farm to the back. Uh, prior to that we got a bit over 200 over the Christmas break. But it, it doesn't take long to dry out. It, it, so 150 mil just over the last two days? Yeah, yeah. And some, some have had more, but yeah, that's what we've got through here. And so with that, I'm wondering, what's the, the deal with your property and damage? Have you, have you had any? Have you had any trees uprooted? Uh, Damage-wise, only out the back we've had some trees. We've lost trees and that there. Um, with our pivots, we're lucky. The wind didn't, didn't catch them. Um, yeah, compared to some other people around the area, yeah, we've done, we've done a right out of it. Now I'm wondering, uh, you've been doing it for a wee while, you've seen some storms in your time come through, uh, how does this one stack up? Um, the lightning show, pretty good, yeah. We actually yeah, woke up to it there the, the other night there and um, sort of woke a few arrests up in the house and said come on out, come out and have a look. It was really good, yeah. But uh, you feel for the ones who, who had the damage, but yeah, it, was, it wasn't a bad show. That is Chris Duffy. He's the manager at Phoenix Farm, just on the outskirts of Catherine, and he was speaking there to Miles Holbrook Walk. Well, this rain from XTC Tiffany, it has continued across the border into the Ord Valley. Uh, farmer there, Fritz Bolton, says his place just got some real nice, steady rain. We've certainly had runoff. All the furrows are, are running water. The drains are running gently, but, you know, not nothing. There's no, no flooding and uh, there hasn't been any violent rain. It's just been nice drizzly rain, nice soaking rain, and um, yeah, absolutely beautiful. Now, yesterday the Bureau of Meteorology said that, you know, this area that you're in around Karanara should be expecting intense rainfall falls, you know, up to 300 millimetres. How much have you had? Um, most of the areas had around 50 to 60 millimetres. But it is overcast and raining today, and, and most of that rain was uh, forecast for um, for the rest of the day still. So, you know, we can still expect a lot more. How do you feel that, you know, knowing now that you, you mentioned the word gentle, it was gentle rain, it wasn't as intense so far as, as um, w- was forecast. How do you feel uh, this morning waking up, looking around? <laughs> No, it's a great relief. Um, the um, the irrigation area is also the drainage system for the for the whole town. And when we do have rain events like 300 millimetres overnight, houses go underwater and and there's damage. But there's also damage to the irrigation cooperative's inf- infrastructure, and that's fairly expensive for the farmers to then have to repair. And most of that water comes from town and and that catchment. So it is a great relief that that hasn't been the case and, and my gut feeling is that we won't get get those big strong rains that we we sometimes do with the monsoons or cyclones. So so I think it'll be it'll be just uh, just a really wonderful weekend here in Kananara where we go and see the waterfalls and um, and really enjoy this, this incredible this incredible place. Is there a better place in the north after a good rain and, and a nice rain? I've lived in a lot of places in the world and today the most beautiful place on the planet is where I am.
to come from this relentless build-up and heat, you know, quite a hostile environment to this really beautiful, gentle place we are now is, uh, is it's just fantastic. Can't get it better than that. I think we got off the hook. Now, normally when, a, when an ex-sideline low comes over and stays over the top of us like this one is, yeah, there's a lot more rain. But I tell you what, it is just so gorgeous. I've got goosebumps just talking about it, and it's so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah, that is Kununurra farmer Fritz Bolton, and he was speaking there to Michelle Stanley. And if yeah, you've ever been around that East Kimberley region in the wet season, there's just waterfalls galore just gushing off the rocks. Um, it's a pretty incredible place, like he said, in the wet It is 17 minutes to one here on the Country Hour. Nominations are now open for Farmer of the Year with 10 categories spanning all ages and stages of life on the land. Let's recognise the hard work of our rural leaders, innovators and farming legends and celebrate those in our rural sector who go above and beyond. You can enter yourself or someone you know at farmeroftheyear.com.au. Presented by ABC Rural and the Kandini Group. Now, over near the WANT border, there's a couple of little communities that are in the Territory, but the only way to access them is via Kununurra. Um, They've had some issues with border closures all through the pandemic. They thought it was over, a lot of the families there, Uh, but we're going to hear from one family next uh, who is in isolation in Kununurra for 14 days for just going into their only nearest town. Uh, I'll tell you more after a bit of Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow there with If It Makes You Happy. 12 minutes to one here on the Country Hour. My name is Dan Fitzgerald and you're on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. Well, over near Kununurra, there's a few small communities that are in the Northern Territory, but they can only access their homes via Western Australia. They're on a dead-end road that comes out of Kununurra, and that's meant they've had a lot of trouble getting in and out of town over the last two years of the pandemic. Uh, Recently, though, Sarah Rips, she said she has been able to cross the border, but last Friday her family was stopped by WA police from going back home. She told Vanessa Mills she's been told to isolate in Kununurra for 14 days, but there's still a few people that are going across the border. Well, it would be the community members, the people that live at the two communities, um, station members, um, and you actually get a lot of fishermen out there. So uh, we know of a lot of people who have gone out and back since we um, were stopped on Friday fishing and uploading photos on Facebook. And so people have been travelling pretty freely. Um, The border isn't manned all the time, we were told by the police, just when they're able to do it. So we just happened to be there at the right time when they were actually manning the border. And I believe that really for the past 24 months, people have been travelling reasonably freely over the border in that area because it is isolated. It's just a quirk of bureaucratic line yeah. drawing in the sand that it is even a border. It might as well be Kununurra's backyard. Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. There's, there's no access to anywhere in the NT except our you know, community. It's a dead-end road. 
So it's a dead end road. You're in the bush. How are you feeling about being basically told to stay in isolation now for 14 days? Uh, we feel really gutted. Like I feel it, it's not fair. You know, we were out there for legitimate reasons. We we have a home out there. This is where we come to do to get food. Um, you know, to seek medical care, to work, to go to school, and we're being told we can't do that anymore, that we can't cross the border. We're both, we're, we're stranded. You know, the community members are stranded out there, and it's not fair. Are you having to write now to a minister or call? What What have you done, Sarah, to try and raise your situation with the various authorities? Um, I have spoken to Davina, the MPs, and I have emailed the WA Entry Police email. I have called um, the COVID hotline. I've applied for an exemption um, to quarantine. I've spoken with police at the department here in Kununurra, um, and no one seems to have a an answer for our unique situation. How extraordinary do you think this is, that two years into the pandemic that no one has an answer for you. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's it's yeah, a bit ridiculous actually that, you know, even well, you know, that we aren't even known about out there that our our circumstances weren't taken into consideration when the border um, restrictions were made. Sarah Ripps, uh, she lives at a small bush community of Munburun, which is about 20 k's inside the territory border. Its closest town is Kununurra. Uh, she was speaking there to Vanessa Mills. G'day guys, I'm Billy. I'm a trap fisherman here in the Northern Territory and uh, we're today unloading our catch uh, from the last two weeks fishing out in the Kimberleys and you're listening to the Country Hour. little COVID update for you now. The Northern Territory has recorded 546 new cases of COVID in the 24 hours to 8pm last night. There are 27 people in hospital with the virus, 20 patients are considered acute conditions and one person is in intensive care. Chief Minister Michael Gunner, uh, speaking to the media a short time ago, he's also apologised for a reporting failure in recent days. Let's hear a bit of what he had to say. Today, I also need to inform Territorians of a reporting failure that's occurred in recent days. As I've explained before, we want people to check in at venues with the Territory Check-In app because that means we can let you know if you've been to the same location as a positive case. Territorians have a right to know that. The messages are intended to inform someone they have been to an exposure site and to monitor for symptoms. Yesterday, we requested an update on the exposure site messaging and the process. We were advised that over the past week, these messages have not been sent. There is no excuse for this. It was a clear decision and a clear direction by the Security and Emergency Management Committee. This direction was not implemented, which is unacceptable. The person responsible for tasking this decision has been stood down from the Emergency Operations Centre and will return to regular duties. It has also been rectified overnight. Today, Territorians will start receiving messages notifying them of an exposure site that they have been to. They will commence about 3pm today. Territorians are already being terrific. People with symptoms are already getting themselves tested, as they should. Testing numbers in recent days have been excellent. These messages are just a prompt for you. So if you have been to an exposure site, 
you know to be extra mindful about how you are feeling and to take a test if you are not feeling well. These messages are not a direction to get tested. They are giving you information you deserve to know and reminding you to monitor the symptoms. Territorians have a right to be told when they have been to an exposure site, I am sorry this did not happen, nothing excuses it, it will happen now. That is the Chief Minister, Michael Gunner, speaking there in today's press conference. Uh, the Chief Minister also announced that the lockout for unvaccinated residents in Yundamu and Yulamu has been extended, extended for another five days. So that is due to end next Thursday. Uh, if you want more information about the COVID update today, uh, just jump online and search for ABC News or on the ABC Darwin Facebook page. Hello, I'm Dr Norman Swan. Peace of mind can come from knowing the facts. And this is a time when Australians are increasingly worried about COVID-19. And when you're worried, turn to a trusted source. The ABC is covering this epidemic day by day, hour by hour, with the experts. For more information, go to abc.net.au forward slash coronavirus or health.gov.au. Uh, time now on the Country Hour. Because we are heading to the cricket a little bit earlier today, uh, the Hobart uh, Ashes, fifth Ashes test, it's due to start at one o'clock today, the ABC's coverage. Uh, we're going to go to the weather right now where we've got Sally Cutter at the Bureau. G'day, Sally. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad, thanks. Ex-tropical cyclone Tiffany. Uh, where exactly is that at the moment? Oh, she's hitting over the Kimberley at the moment, spinning around quite nicely still. We've got the... We've still got some of the bands coming down over the around the water area, Daly River Mouth. So they, we've still got the, they've got a severe weather warning. The ones up Daly River Mouth are moving a little bit, but the ones down around Port Keats to the mouth of the Victoria River are a little bit following each other a little bit more. So we've still got the severe weather warning out for that area. So we may still may see some damaging wind gusts out of it and some heavy rain, but most of that should contract to west as we go through the rest of the day. And where is that low predicted to track at the moment? Is it still going to head towards central Australia? Yes, the, it looks like it's going to move down through the interior WA then cross through the Lasseter district on Monday. It's And it's going to bring a fair bit of rain with it as it comes through and most of the rain is going to be on the southern side, but that's not to say that the northern side isn't going to get anything. There's going to be significant rainfall through the Leicester on Monday and start, actually starting through there on Sunday. So it's just going to, it's going to be wet. It's probably the understatement of the year, but it's potentially going to be quite wet down through there. And what sort of totals could that region see? Uh, we're looking at 50 to 100 millimetres a day as it moves through. It will only hang around for a day. It is moving, so but we could see, depending on where you are, and particularly if you're on the the southern side, you're going to be up more than the 100 millimetre mark, potentially. OK, that is um, some good news there for Central Australia, and that'll um, bring a, a, a cool change with it, I imagine, because she's pretty hot at oh, the moment. Yep. Yeah, certainly cool change. We're going, as far as the temperatures for Alice Springs, we're looking at 41 today, 40 tomorrow, then Sunday, 33 getting down to 23 on Thursday before things warm up again on Friday with 27. But if you're out at Yulara, we're looking at 43 today, 42 Saturday, dropping down to 23 on Tuesday, 24 on Monday. But even those temperatures could be sort of on the high side, they could end up being much lower than that. 
any chance of the Barkley and the Tennant Creek region getting a drop out of this system? Uh, unfortunately, no. We do have the, the... We are seeing isolated showers and storms. We had a, a, a severe gust go through uh, tea tree yesterday afternoon. You know, to, to just to, that moisture's been brought across. So we could see some isolated storms, but any real definite confidence and say, yes, you are going to get one, is basically you can't say that right. if you're in the Barclay. Okay. Uh, for those listening in the top end who might want to get their boat out this weekend, how waters, coastal waters? Well, it's still a little bit windy out there. If you're out on the west coast, we could still see some strong winds through there, so just south of Channel Point in the late morning and early afternoon, but otherwise northerly 15 to 25 knots, easing at little... I was still getting 20 to 30 knots on, on Sunday before easing. If you're long out in the Arafura Sea, reaching up to 20 knots west of Manangrita during the morning and early afternoon, and then right across all the waters on Sunday, 15 to 20 knots, and around in the Gulf of Carpentaria, 10 to 15 knots, sorry, north to northwestly, about 10 knots day, 10 knots tomorrow, getting up to 10 to 15 knots in the morning, and then picking up a little bit on Sunday with northwesterly 15 to 20 knots. Okay, no worries. Thanks for the update, Sally. That's okay. That is Sally Cutter there at the Weather Bureau, and if you're listening to us on the radio, you'll be heading to ABC Grandstand's coverage of the fifth Ashes Test in Hobart. If you want to keep listening to the Country Hour, you can do so on the Listen app or on the digital stream or Channel 25 on your telly. It's coming up to the one o'clock. Hi there, Stuart Weir from Emory Station. Uh, we've got a really good season, good cattle prices. Hopefully everything's going to tick along and you're listening to the Northern Territory Country Hour. G'day there. My name's Dan Fitzgerald. Thanks for tuning in. Be it on the podcast the digital stream or Channel 25 on your telly. Uh, still to come for you this half hour, I'm going to introduce you to a leading hands who's been around Northern Cattle Stations for the last three years. He also comes all the way from Manchester and he's got pretty good at riding Broncos. Oh, I can barely remember my first ride. It just went by so fast. I just remember falling to the ground, getting up and going, oh, I want to do that again. It was so good, the adrenaline rush. Yeah, I can't really, you've got to do it, I can't really explain it. Yeah, you don't hear accents like that too often on cattle stations in the north, do you? Well, the RSPCA has renewed its call for calf roping to be banned. It is an event that's been part of the rodeo scene for a long time, and if you don't know it, it involves a rider mounting mounted on a horse, throwing a rope around the neck of a calf, dismounting and then tying the three legs together as fast as possible. Uh, David Clawton filed this report on the ongoing battle over animal welfare in rodeo. It's something that many of us have seen recently in the American series Yellowstone. Dear rodeo, I'd be lying if I tried to tell you how I don't feel about you. 
It's still done in parts of the US on farms, but not so much in Australia anymore, as vehicles have taken over from horses in the pastoral industry. Now it's primarily a sport, and one that governments in Victoria and South Australia have effectively banned. The RSPCA are calling for that ban to be extended to other states by raising the minimum weight of animals to 200 kilograms. Dr Di Evans is the Senior Scientific Officer at RSPCA Australia, and she's a vet with 20 years' experience. She says recent studies prove that calves experience high levels of stress and fear during calf roping. Their only defence is flight. So those calves, when they come out of that chute and are being chased, are literally running for their lives. With the bucking events, their defence mechanism is fighting. So the bucking is what they're doing to fight. So people might say, well, that's a normal behaviour. But what's actually eliciting that? It's because they're in a state of fear. Um, and that's not fair. What do you want the industry to do? Well, the regulators are one approach. The, the RSPCA uh, opposes uh, rodeos full stop because of the inherent uh, and insurmountable welfare risks, but in particular calf roping. And so the other option is for sponsors to become informed about really what's going on with rodeo animals and calves in particular. And I guess one of the glaring things about the legislation um, across jurisdictions is that rodeos have an exemption, usually under the animal welfare regulations. To me, that says it all. If you have to have an exemption for an activity that would otherwise be liable um, to be prosecuted under animal welfare legislation, that's an admission that there is animal cruelty happening. So in Queensland, if we look there, the government committed to a reviewing um, calf roping and so so is that good news from, from your perspective? The government didn't really commit um, far enough. There was no public consultation within the broader community, uh, particularly on calf roping. So it is disappointing that uh, it's continuing in, in Queensland at this point. But they've got a code of practice in place. That surely must help. The issues with calf roping is that they are inherently causing suffering. A recent study by the University of Sydney um, showed just in the chasing phase that those calves displayed behaviours that indicate that they are frightened, anxious, agitated and stressed. Um, When you look at body language when those calves are actually caught and then are forced to the ground and tied, you start seeing even higher levels of behaviours that indicate fear and stress, such as vocalisation or bellowing. And that is a very significant measure or indicator that animals uh, are suffering. If you study, and I've looked at many video clips, I have attended rodeos, if you look at exactly the physical impacts of what's happening You know, you've got a a young animal that's running flat out in one direction that's being forced and and pulled by its neck in the opposite direction. It's logical that there's going to be bruising. The problem is you can't see bruising um, on on calves. They're not obvious. And again, being a prey species, they're very good and it's part of their natural instincts to mask signs of um, pain because if they show signs of pain and weakness, they will be um, subjected to predation. So this is one of the um, issues, I guess, that uh, 
needs to be further explored in terms of being able to identify where uh, there is tissue damage and there is bruising scientifically because outwardly uh, you may not see any um, physical injuries. Uh, what do you, what do you say to communities, though, that have a long tradition of this being a sporting activity who might argue that there are a lot of things in agriculture, a lot of things the way that that, that food is produced that maybe are you know, wouldn't be acceptable to people living in cities, but, but they are essential really, both to the tradition but, but also to food production. If you look at best practice handling uh, and low-stress stock handling, which aims to minimise stress in both government and industry, um, and in particular the Meat Livestock Australia has been very active in promoting humane handling practices for farm animals, it completely contradicts the treatment that rodeo animals are subjected to. Dr. Di Evans from the RSPCA. Craig Young is the Executive Officer of the Australian Bushmen's Camp Draft and Rodeo Association. He says their sport is very respectful of animal welfare, has a code of practice to ensure it's done properly and bans any riders who do the wrong thing. 76 years of uh, operation, uh, I can assure you we keep uh, very... Uh, thorough records on uh, animal injuries. It's not only human injuries, we keep, uh, and it's a requirement of our committees to notify us of any animal injuries uh, that, that occur at an event and uh, over the last 30 odd years of uh, competition we've been keeping those records, injury rates to animals is less than 0.02% of the amount of animals used and the amount of times they're used. She's saying so, that you can't actually see physical injuries on calves. Well look, I guess uh, let's, let's talk about calf roving. We have a, a, the, the animal welfare standards have minimum requirements uh, set by government. 100 kilos, uh, is that and, right? And we, we set our standards higher than the government uh, minimum, minimal standards. So uh, we have a rule book that underpins that and uh, we will not tolerate any competitor, contractor or otherwise not handling stock in the, in the right way. The radio industry developed a, uh, a device called the Rope Mate device. That Rope Mate device has reduced... The, uh, the shock in that rope by 70% from where it was years ago. Now, we've had that in place for a, a fair period of time now, and it is an actual requirement. But she's so, saying those, those animals are stressed, and is bellowing an indicator of suffering in your view? Uh, no. Look, weaners that are used for, for roping are not straight off the mother. They're not brought in out of the paddock. They are actually trained at home. They're handled. They are, uh, and, and we've done testing with the veterinary industry and uh, the universities in relation to the levels of stress. Now, I'm not going to say there's no stress involved, because there is. Every time you move an animal or do something with an animal, that animal will feel some sort of stress. Now, tests have, have uh, proven that animals used in calf roping are not experiencing any more stress than an animal being uh, uh, treated or handled at, at home in normal animal husbandry practices. But she's so, saying that, that that sort of, you know, that roping activity doesn't happen on farm anymore. This is just for sport. And animals well, are chased, choked, thrown, kicked and dragged for sport. And she well, thinks I, that's I, abuse. I, well I, I refute that because uh, any abuse is a complete contravention of our rules and our welfare standards of practice. Any competitor that kicks a calf will be disqualified, fined and face disciplinary action. They're not thrown, kicked, dragged and jumped all over. There is a technique in, in how a calf is handled and it is not an abusive technique. The RSPCA is pretty well known as uh, an animal welfare organisation. They, they're the ones that endorse you know, certain kinds of chicken as being free range or you know, with animal welfare standards 
Um, they're not as extreme as others like Peter. Uh, but what's your sense of, what's your feeling about this particular campaign and the RSPCA's arguments? Well, look, we've just recently finished on uh, in Queensland setting together a uh, code of practice for the use of animals in radio in Queensland of where the RSPCA, animal, Queensland Animal Liberation, were all at the table and that code of practice has uh, approved and passed calf raping in Queensland. Now, they've all had their opportunity to have a say and, 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 and uh, just because somebody didn't get the, the, the answer that they wanted uh, doesn't mean that they need to uh, go out then and start to slander something with misinformation uh, and uh, in, the, uh, in the general public. With 1,100 riders gathering in New South Wales next week for the Tamworth Rodeo Roundup and camp draft events happening all the time around the country, it doesn't look like this stalemate will be resolved any time soon. David Clawton there with that report on calf roping. It is 20 minutes past one here on the Country Hour. My name is Dan Fitzgerald and you're on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. Um, up next, we're going to catch up with a backpacker from Manchester who wound up on a station in northern Australia. He stayed there about three years and he's worked his way up to leading hand. Uh, I'll tell you his story after a bit of Troy Cassidaly. Chasing Rodeo there by Troy Cassidaly. Well, over the years, it's not been that unusual to see a backpacker trying something new and taking a job on a cattle station in the north. But there's not that many of them that will stick around and work their way up to something like leading hand on a station. Uh, but after coming to Cowyeda in the Kimberley in mid-2019, Manchester-born Charlie Howarth, he's done just that. And along the way, he's become pretty handy with horses. Hugo Ricard-Bell uh, caught up with Charlie as he was on the back of one of his breakers on the station. G'day, I'm Charlie Howarth. I'm leading hand at Cowyeda Station in the West Kimberley. And I'm originally from Manchester in England. Charlie, do you want to introduce me to your little friend here? Yeah, this is Gina. This is my young breaker horse, um, a little chestnut mare. I've just been riding her for the past couple of months. Um, she got broken in last year, middle of last year, and yeah, she's pretty pretty fresh. Just getting her some practice. So we've just um, we've just walked some wieners out to Harmony's Paddock, where they'll remain for the rest for the duration of the wet. And then they'll be brought in next year, weighed, and then put on some boats to probably Indonesia. Charlie, uh, you mentioned you were riding a, a young breaker. Uh, have you always been a horseman? No. So when I first came over to Australia, I'd barely ridden a horse. I'd, when I was a young kid, maybe eight to nine years old, I had a few lessons, but yeah, nothing, nothing since then. What what is it about uh, riding that you know really made you focus on it? I think it's just the connection that you get with your horse. You know, you form a bond with it that you don't really get with a bike moving cows around. And you haven't just been riding horses around uh, cattle. Talking to your boss James Camp at Smoko before, you mentioned that you've been uh, stepping into the rodeo arena. Do you want to talk to me about that? <laughs> yeah. So this year I've been riding at all, all the rodeos that we've been going to as a station. Um, you know, James was a saddle bronc rider a few years ago and he was a good saddle bronc rider and he kind of just got me into it. So I've been doing that this year. What's, uh, what's it like coming out of the chute? What was your first ride like? Oh, I can barely remember my first ride. It just went by so fast. 
I just remember falling to the ground, getting up and going, oh, I want to do that again. It was so good, the adrenaline rush. Yeah, I can't really, you've got to do it. I can't really explain it, explain the feeling. What's the what's the build-up? I mean, you must have watched Saddle Bronc before. What's the build-up, um, you know, the week before your first ride like? Um, it was a bit surreal, really. Like, I didn't really believe what I was doing. I kind of got to the day before, and it dawned on me, like, oh, God, what am I doing? And then, yeah, I was nervous. <laughs> I always get nervous. Same as before a footy match, I always get nervous, and as soon as I'm on that horse, I just calm down, yeah. So, Charlie, uh, have you been lucky enough to ride time yet? Oh, on my last ride, I just somehow managed before I fell off. It wasn't very pretty. It didn't look very good, but it did the job. I stuck it, and <laughs> that's the only one I've ridden time. I think that's probably the last ride I'll do before I go home. So, it was, yeah, it was perfect, really. Talk me through that last ride from the moment the gate opened. So, I jumped on. This horse has been a bit a bit spooky in the chute, so it stood up and I, I just had one chance just to get on it. Jumped on, got my feet in my stirrups, calmed my nerves for a second and then just nodded my head and the boys in the chute opened the gate and then it just did the biggest, biggest cat leap out the chute and then it started bucking really nice and I just managed to stick on. Charlie, you're leading hand of Coyuta Station. You've been here for a couple of years now. Uh, have you got any advice for maybe a young backpacker or, or a young kid just finishing school that, that might want to go have a crack at a station and, and then maybe even some rodeo sports? I'd say just get into it. Do it. It's the best experience you're ever going to have. You might as well do it while you're young. I wasn't going to come over to Australia, but a few things changed and I ended up coming over here and... I don't regret it one bit. I wish, yeah, I'd tell everyone to do it before they settle down, get into a job and settle into a mundane, mundane, mundane office job or whatever. Do this for a bit. You'll love it. What's next uh, for Charlie Howe with the Manchester Bronc Rider? Well, I think it's about time that I go home and go to university. So um, I plan to go to veterinary medicine. I plan to go to vet school and study veterinary medicine and hopefully become a vet. Then who knows? Who knows where I'll end up? I might work back home or maybe somewhere abroad, America or New Zealand or maybe even Australia. Will you miss it here? Yeah, I'll definitely miss it here. Um, No, I'm keen to get back home, see my family, see the nice green rolling fields again that you don't see too many of here. Yeah, it's something that I'll definitely look back my whole life on and be be proud of myself and and have yeah beautiful memories of it that is charlie howarth he was working at cowieta station and he was speaking there with hugo ricard bell and that's pretty much it for the country hour for today uh, just a reminder that an initial flood watch for the southwestern parts of the northern territory has just been issued so there's three-day rainfall totals are expected to ex- be around 70 to 120 millimetres. So this is parts of the Tanami and the Western Desert. Uh, so uh, rainfall starting from Saturday, but more from Sunday as trop- ex-tropical cyclone Tiffany moves south into that region. Uh, yeah, that's it for the show today. Have a great weekend.